Rick Dollar with NetRadioDogs.com, and we are live in Nashville, Tennessee, with the one, the only Carl Jackson. Carl, he's here. Oh. Yeah, there he is, and we're so glad to be with you today. Good to see you, Rick. Thank and you uh, you've had a an incredible career. For I mean, I've I've, I've done some research on you. I, don't, I mean, I don't know your credit card numbers or anything, <laughs> as far as you know. But uh, is that you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. But you. Uh, are legendary in this business, and uh, you started this business in a very young age. Can you can you fill us in on on who you started with and and, and everything? Well, my first influences were were definitely my dad, right? And my two uncles, especially my dad. My he loves bluegrass music and old time country music, and uh, he and my two uncles, uh, they had a little local bluegrass band mm -hmm. where I'm from in Louisville, Mississippi, right. called the Country Partners. Aha. Uh -huh. Had a radio show, you know, a tape a radio show to play every Saturday or Sunday morning. Exactly. And uh, I, I couldn't help but love it. Exactly. I was, I had the bug. I mean, a lot of, you know, kids wanted to be firemen and policemen <laughs> and all that kind of thing. And I, I wanted to do two things. I wanted to play baseball or I wanted to play music. You know, play play banjo specifically. Yeah. I really got the bug on banjo playing because my uh, my uncle Burgess, my, we call him Uncle Sock. He, uh, <laughs> He got a he got a banjo and was learning to play a little bit. Took a few took a few lessons from a great banjo player from East Tennessee named Bud Rose. Right. And Bud had come down into the area and was playing with uh, Carl Saussman and the Green Valley Boys. Right. Over in Aliceville, Alabama, Carrollton, Aliceville area, and uh, and so I decided I wanted to take some lessons too. And uh, anyway, I'm telling you a, a long story to to kind of. I got all day build to the you, whole, sir. Don't you build worry. Build the whole deal, okay. Don't you worry one bit. So anyway, you know, I, I went over there a few times and uh, took two or three lessons from Bud. And he taught me, the you know, the basic role. I remember I learned the Saints go marching in and, right. and in the mood. Just a couple of things to learn, the three-finger roll on exactly. five-string banjo. And... Uh, and then he moved back to East Tennessee. Oh no! And uh, which was a which was a sad day. Oh no! But uh, he continued to send me a few tapes through the mail. And that's great. And I took those tapes along with sitting in front of a record player and listening to Alan Shelton and Earl Scruggs and Don Reno and those guys, yeah. slowing the records down, learning what they did just, just, exactly just by what ear. They were yeah, doing. just by ear, and then adding my own stuff to it. And uh, the next thing I know. Uh, Jim and Jesse and the Virginia boys are, are oh, yeah. coming to play a little schoolhouse. I believe it was in Reform, Mississippi, I think, right. the first show that I saw them. My dad took me. I didn't really want to go that night. I had something else going on. I can't remember. I was about, I was probably 12 or so. Girl. And I, and I don't think so at the time. <laughs> I think it was probably Ole Miss football, you know, which I'm oh, well, still, no, there, there still a huge fan of the Rebels. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I wound up going and I, and I just... Fell in, fell in love with it even more. Wow. And then he took me backstage, and and Jim and Jesse were kind enough to listen to me. And and uh, I can't remember if they brought me out and I played something that night or not. I don't think I did. But anyway, uh, after the show, we were talking, and, and my dad told him. He just said, "If you guys ever get in a pinch or you you need a you need a banjo player, I hope you'd keep us in mind." And uh, well, Jim McReynolds called. Wow! Uh, uh, Who gets that? When I was 14, and I say I was there. I don't know exactly what age it was. I can't remember if it was 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there when I first played for them. Right. But they called, and I went to work with them at 14. Wow! And uh, that 
that started the whole professional end of things. You exactly. Know? I actually started. I started playing the banjo, and getting those first lessons and stuff at around around eight, something like that. And I was I was already playing, I guess, pretty doggone good. Now, how did that at that go? time? What With was Jim that? And Jess? Oh, it was wonderful. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. I mean, here I am. I mean, I, I remember the first trip was about two weeks, and uh, man, I was I was homesick. Now, I'll I'll tell you, that's the first time I'd ever been away from home. And how old were you at that point? Fourteen. You're still four. Oh my God. Yeah, the first the first trip we stayed out about two weeks, and uh, you know, and I had a, uh, you know, of course I was still in school. You know, exactly. And uh, but my uh, my principal, I've always given him a lot of credit. He was very. He told me as long as you make good grades, you don't have to come to school, you know. Man alive. And, uh, and I kept my grades up, uh, made really good grades, and uh, so I would go on the road with them anytime I wanted to. And it was mostly weekend stuff. That yeah. first thing was in the summer. Of course, That's, I travel. You know, yeah. most of the travel was in the summer anyway. I can only imagine how that would be a 14-year-old child, basically. You know, and you're <laughs> yeah. on the road with playing music every day. Well, I mean, they were. Jim and Jesse, I mean, you couldn't have asked to be with two finer people. Yeah, I've heard you know, a lot of just, great things. Just about absolutely them. great people. You know, they didn't drink, they didn't smoke, they didn't do it. You know, they're just, good. just good people. And uh, my mom and dad knew that. And they watched that. Trusted them. They did. They watched yeah. that. When I was up here in Nashville, I stayed at Jim's house or, or at Jesse's house, one or the other. Amazing. You know, and uh, then I'd go back to school, you know, and come up on the weekends sometimes or play weekend gigs with them. During the year until I finished high school, and uh, it was it was an absolutely wonderful time, uh, learning experience. I mean, and mm -hmm. when I look back on it, uh, you know, realizing that I was, you know, playing with the, really the, the first generation guys. Oh, I mean, the icons of the yeah, really exactly, music. Icon is a great word. It was it was them and the Osborne yeah. brothers and you know Clatton Scruggs and Stanley brothers and and um, you know Reno and Smiley. I mean that. That group. That was the bunch. I mean, right all there, the festivals we were playing, you know, all they were still there. In games. fact, some of the first shows we played, I mean, Flat and Scruggs uh, were still together. You know, it was uh, it was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, let's fast forward a little bit. Yeah. Uh, a few years later, um, start working with a, a really great man, Glenn Campbell. Yeah, there was a there was a little. A, Actually, not a lot of time in between that. You're yeah. right. I I did spend about a year with the Sullivan family playing guitar uh -huh. with them, and that's that's when I, uh, well I had met Marty before that, right. Marty Stewart. But we traveled together, you know, oh, man. with the Sullivan family. Which you know, I don't mean to avoid your question there, no, but it no, was no, just no. it was a year of incredible laughter and fun. I can imagine. You know, I mean, we had so much fun. <laughs> Emmett Sullivan was one of the funniest human beings that's ever walked the face of the earth. It's always good to be around somebody <laughs> like that, that's and for sure. Marty and I, you know, I mean, we all traveled in a, in a station wagon oh my God. With, a, with an upright base, not on top, but inside the car with us. Now, imagine that. I don't want to know where they put you. Well, I mean, you know, I'm on one side and, I, and Emmett's on the other, basically, and Marty's basically underneath. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he was the little squirt, so that's, yeah. you know, but we uh, we did a lot of a lot of playing music, you know, that's and that little man, that little mandolin in the back seat, you know. We that's right. Uh, we we traded a few licks, told a lot of jokes, uh, had just some, an absolutely wonderful time. That's what it's about. Uh, that led then to a uh, the the forming of a band called the Country Store mm -hmm. with uh, Keith Whitley, Jimmy Goodrow, and Bill Rollins. And uh, we had talked through the years because Jim, Jimmy was with the Country Gentleman, of course, right. and Keith was with Ralph Stanley. Right. 
and I was with Jim and Jesse, and we'd kind of conversed through the years at festivals and stuff. You know, maybe we ought to start our own group one of these days. Well, we finally decided to do it. So I go up to Columbus, Ohio, and I'm getting to your question. Believe it or not, I mean, this is great. I go up to Columbus, Ohio, and to meet with Jimmy and Keith and Bill. Right. We all gang up there and you know start rehearsing a little bit actually go into Rome Studios and turn the tape recorder on and, and record a few tunes which I still oh, have man. today which is oh, I absolutely <laughs> treasure them you know but while I was there and I'd only been there about a week maybe a little less than a week uh, Keith and I were sitting at the table reading the paper and we noticed that Glenn Campbell was going to be in town at the Ohio State Fair right and man, Keith was a huge fan of Glenn too. Yeah. And and I mean, he couldn't have a bigger fan than me. I don't guess. I mean, I probably just, not. I loved him. You know, my uh, in school, literally. And I could I have those too. I could show you uh, my yearbooks. I mean, because the Good Time Hour was so big yeah. at that time, uh, three four different people signed my yearbook. You know, see young Glenn Campbell one day. You know, because I played yeah. banjo. You know, they saw they <laughs> saw John they Hartford know. and Larry McNeely stand up. Yeah, little did they know, little yeah. did I know. I had no idea to even meet the guy. But anyway, we went to uh, Keith and I decided to go to the show, and we went out to the fairgrounds in in Columbus, Ohio, to see Glenn perform, mm -hmm. and it was amazing. Glenn was at uh, at the top of his game, which Glenn never left the top of his he game. He didn't, you know. But uh, he was amazing singer and and guitar player and. We had the best time. It was just a wonderful show. And what I mean, the top of his game, he was just at a peak right then. Right. The show was just about to go off the air, but he had had just monster hits. He was, he was literally the biggest thing in America at the time. You know? Wow. And so uh, after the show, Keith and I, you know, we do the, the boy thing. You know, we go out exactly. to the midway. You know, we're riding the rides and doing all this stuff and just having fun, goofing off, not thinking a thing about anything. And on the way back to the car, uh, I glance over to my left, and I can remember it so clearly. And there stands Larry McNeely. Mm -hmm. And Larry, Larry had formerly played with Roy Acuff, but uh, he had gone to work with Glenn and was actually on the TV show with Glenn. He took John Hartford's place. Mm -hmm. he, he was the guy that would stand up in the audience and start off Gentle on My Mind yeah. after John Hartford left. And uh, so I saw Larry standing there, and I told Keith, I said, let's, let's walk over there and just say hello. You know, sure. I have no idea, you know, that he knows who I am. May or, not even talk to him. You know, may not hey, talk to him or anything, but he hi. was standing there, you know, talking to some folks and walked over, and I, and I just stuck out my hand, and I said, Larry, I just want you to know how much I really enjoyed the show, man. My, my name's Carl Jackson, and I just, I love your playing, man. He said, Carl Jackson? He said, man, I love your playing. He said, what are you doing here? And I didn't even know he knew me, you know, but I guess because, of, you know, I mean, I played on the Opry with Jim and Jesse several times. Of course, he was with Acuff. And right. We had never met, you know, but I guess he, you know, he knew another banjo player like I knew exactly. a banjo player. So, so anyway, he said, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, man, we're up here. We formed a new band and we're just doing a little rehearsing and hanging out and stuff. And he said, well, why don't you come by tomorrow and let's, let's jam some. And wow. I said, okay, sure, why yeah, I can, not? I can make time for that. So, yeah, I can make time for that. So the next day, I go by, you know, and and Larry, you know, I carry my banjo over there, and, and Larry gets his out, and we sit there, and we play a little bit together, but Larry's not, he's not playing a whole bunch. He keeps asking me to play stuff. Hmm. I have no idea what he's doing <laughs> until after the fact. 
And then he just looks over at me after, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes of, can you play this? Do you play this? Do you play this? Or, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got he looks over and he goes, would you like to have this job? Whoa. I mean, just like that. And I said, it didn't take me very long. I said, what do you mean? Yeah, but what do you, what do you mean? He, yeah. said, he said, man, I have been looking for somebody that can replace me. And he said, I just don't want to travel anymore. I don't, yeah. want to, I don't want to travel the road anymore. And he said, you can do it. You are the guy that can do it. Are you interested? And I'm like, man. And then I told him all of the yearbook stories. And, all. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I guess you could say I'm interested, you know? Yeah. So uh, he, go, he said, give me just, just a minute. And then he, he leaves. They were trailers back there. That was the right. dressing rooms, you know. So he goes over to Glenn's trailer. And he comes back about five minutes later, less than that, really. And he said, come with me, you know. And uh, so, you know, I grab my banjo and I go with him and walk in and, and there he sits. You know, there's my hero, you know. Glenn Camp. There's Glenn. And, uh, you know, he's so cordial, so nice. Mm -hmm. And I remember, it, man, it was about, you know, it was... It must have been 100 degrees outside. Glenn's Probably. sitting there, you know, he, he's sitting there and just, he just got off stage, I guess, before again, you know, done the <laughs> afternoon show and he's all sweaty and got his shirt off, just, he, but just, man, just country boy, you know? Yeah. He didn't, he, he didn't, could care less, you know, and he, he said, well, so I understand you, you play banjo, and I said, yeah, yeah, I do, you know, and he said, well, he started the whole routine then, you know, he's like, well, can you play this? <laughs> like, yeah, we'll play a little bit of that for me, you know, and, he, and it was you know, pretty much straight ahead traditional stuff. The first few things, you know, it was, can you, you know, Foggy Mountain Breakdown and sure. Rocky Top and first one thing and another like that, you know. And, and then he started, uh, you know, going a little deeper, you know. And, uh, Want to see how far he can yeah, go. Yeah, you know, right? can you play Little Rock Getaway, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, you know. So I played it for him and then he wanted to know if I played guitar. And, oh, I, and my answer was, yeah, I play a little bit, you know. And, and at, at the time, I could play every solo he'd ever done, you know, because I just... Because you were listening to him. Well, I was listening to him sitting in front of that record player. Exactly. Just, I mean, you know, uh, like the solo for Once in My Life and all that stuff that he did, you know, at the live, the live album in New Jersey. I mean, I yeah. could play all that stuff. Wow. And uh, so I played him a few things. I forget what I played him. I can't remember or what he asked me to play on guitar. But then I remember he asked me, he said, can you play the claw? Yeah. Which was a Jerry Reed tune. And mm -hmm. I said, yeah play the claw he said well play me that so I played him the claw you know and he he looked over and he said how much would you like to make <laughs> ah, now that's a question you want Glenn Campbell yeah, to ask yeah. you <laughs> and at, you know at 18 years old yeah exactly you know the answer of the 18 year old was a million dollars that was my answer man you're smart yeah well I don't know about that well but you but knew he, exactly what to do he just kind of giggled you know and, and he said well he said you you want this job you got it you're hired Wow. He said, "You go, uh, you go home and get your stuff together, and uh, and my my business manager Stan Snyder will will call you in a few days, and, and uh, you're hired." Man. And so I had to go back that night and tell Keith Amazing. and uh, Jimmy and Bill that. Uh, guess they didn't take guess it what, too guys? well. They didn't take it too well. Not that night. Yeah. But after sleeping on it the next morning, I can imagine. they're all like, "Man, we lost oh, a We're so sorry. Player. I mean, we can't." You have to take it. We're, we're we're sorry for ever. Even you know we're yeah. really proud of you and 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 you you got to take. We totally understand. Well, they supported you. I mean, that's that's uh, two Absolutely. really good friends right there. Absolutely. So uh, anyway, we uh, I did. Uh, I went to, I went and I went back to Mississippi. Went home. 
I got my things together, prepared to take the job with Glenn Campbell on their word. Mm -hmm. You know, on Glenn's word. You know, yeah. I did. There was no contract. There was no other phone call until Stan Snyder called, and Stan called well, and he said, uh, "He said we're going to. I need you to. We're going to be in, uh, I believe, Omaha, Nebraska, for another state fair, the Nebraska State Fair. It seems like it was there, and then one other date in America, and then we're going to Australia for three weeks. You need to get a passport." Uh, you need to do all this stuff. I did. Got the passport and all the works. And I'm off to Omaha, Nebraska, play the state fair with them, and then we're off to, to Australia. And that started 12 of the absolutely most wonderful years in my life. Amazing. You know, uh, Glenn Campbell, as far as I'm concerned, is the greatest singer this nation has ever known, by far, as far as I'm concerned, the world. Yeah. I mean, the. It's really hard to describe. He was so smooth. And so smooth. Could and transition so, into different things really well, really fast. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know how you can make. I mean, you can make almost anybody sound good these right, days if right. you if you want to, you know. Except for me. Use, well, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I might surprise you. Uh, buddy. I might, I might, could, but might have a new career. There's Tony. technology out there that can <laughs> that can make people that can't sing all of a sudden sing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I want to tell you what Glenn Campbell was. He was a walking Pro Tools unit. Yeah. I mean, I see things today that we did back then. You know, uh, live TV shows from right. England and different things like that. We we had a a weekly show in England for a short time, and uh, Glenn stood there, and you know, we all played. Rarely was there a second take. At all, and if, if if there was a second take, it wasn't because Glenn messed up. It's because he wanted to do it. That it's way. because he wanted to do it, or he had yeah. something particular he wanted to do. And I'm telling wow. you, you listen to those things, and his vocals are absolute perfection. I mean, the guy had more vocal ability than anybody I've ever seen in my life. It, it's just, and you know, that's not even talking about his guitar playing. Exactly. And it's it's you know, stagemanship. It's it's just professionalism. He's just dad. absolutely amazing. My dad did that to me when I was younger. He was uh, uh, Ricky Skaggs, Randy Travis, uh, Glenn Campbell. Uh, he he loved all those guys. You're talking about great ones, yeah. And I, and that's what I grew up with. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I could uh, I was going to high school and I could I could sing every one of those songs. Oh, I heard them in the car, absolutely. at the house, when they're cooking on the back porch. I mean, driving in today. I mean, I'm listening. Exactly. To, I'm listening to some old Glenn's old old stuff. That's you know, the, the legacy albums. I mean, it's just basically got every. You know, every tune he ever recorded in a in a box set type of issue, oh, and it's just right. it's amazing. It and, is, and I'm I'm so blessed to have been able to do that, and then just remain close friends all through these years, good. and you know, work together a few times on different projects, and and uh, you know, I mean, it's just you know, Ashley, yeah. his daughter, she's my goddaughter. That's amazing. You know, and she's she's part of the latest project I produced, and it's good. just. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Glenn Campbell. I wish uh, I, I wish there was some way I could repay him for everything he's done for me. Well, I mean, I understand completely. There's always somebody in your life, uh, and you've you've told me. I mean, you've got a whole list of them. A lot of people that have really. A lot. Uh, you've taken the best part, I think, out of all those people, uh, just in what you do now. Oh, I appreciate that. Um, let's fast forward a little bit more and uh, talk about. Uh, some of your clients, some of the people that you produce for, or uh, you know, some names that people would know. Well, I mean, I've had the 
you know, if you ran off a list of people I've produced, <laughs> it would. I have to admit, it'd be pretty impressive. Okay, the first twenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, and there's a but there's a little bit of a you know. I mean, I don't want to. I mean, I haven't done a full album on James Taylor. Yeah. But I have produced James Taylor right here in this this very room. Cool. Uh, doing How's the World Treating You with okay. Alison Krauss. Uh, and it won a Grammy for uh, for Best Vocal Duo in 2003. Uh, so, yes, I've, I've produced James Taylor, I've pr produced Alison Krauss, I've produced, uh, oh gosh, Vince Gill and, and uh, Emmy Lou Harris and Dolly Parton and Linda Ronstadt. And, but it's usually been in these in these type of albums where a multi-artist thing where it's exactly. like one song here or a couple right. of songs here it's not that i've done continue you know long playing albums on, on right. all of these artists so i don't want to uh, misrepresent the list it's oh, no. a long long list and a, and no, a very just, very um, the list is nice all of <laughs> so, these people that you're 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 telling me about here are incredible artists and they probably owe you a little bit too oh, yeah. just like yeah. you know i've uh, i've heard stories about how particular you are I'm very particular in this area <laughs> this area you know a lot of people call it the torture chamber you exactly know? I, I, I was gonna say that but i was gonna let you do it first <laughs> but that's uh i don't you know I, I think that that's a little overblown but yeah, it might it not is. be you know, you know i mean i just bad. i don't I don't demand perfection at all. No, I, mean, I just you, strive for it. You know, I that's try to, right. to get it the best it can be. And I think there's some really good things that come out of that. Mm -hmm. When you go to do a, a project or, you know, you call a, a, a Vince Gill or a Dolly Parton mm -hmm. or, you know, a Brad Paisley or somebody like that, right. you know, they're, they're good friends first. Right. But they know that I'm not going to put my name on something that's not done right. That's you good. know, I'm not going to embarrass them with something. You know, they they usually are pretty quick to to agree. To, if it's something that's important to me, they know that I'm going to do everything I can to make them just as proud of it as I am. Exactly. So uh, that's that's something that is is earned over the years and something I treasure. Uh, you know, basically everybody you've ever seen me work with are you know are my friends. Sometimes they were new friends. You know, right. like I didn't know James before. Before, uh, before worked with him on uh, the Louvre Brothers CD, right? But he was such a gracious guy, and I such I mean, it was, it was wonderful. I mean, he, uh, I didn't know him, and I remember meeting with Tim Dubois over at, uh, right. over at Universal, and he asked me while I was working on the Louvre Brothers project. He said, "Is there anybody in particular that you'd really like to work with that you don't know, that maybe I could help you with or something?" I right. said, "Man, I'd really love to. I'd love to get James Taylor on here because I've got a." an idea I would I'd love to have him on here but I don't know him and I don't know how to get a hold of him and he said well I don't know him either but I know his manager really well let's call him and so at the time Gary Borman was was managing James and uh, and Tim Dubois put the call into Gary Gary called James and James was totally excited about doing it as long as he could do one thing work with you no oh. he, he didn't know me at the time he didn't know me at the time but he wanted to sing with Alison Krauss. Really? Yeah. And I said, you know what? I can make that happen. Incredible. You know, Allison and I had been friends for a long time, and she'd uh, she'd helped me several times on different things, singing harmony on something for me, somebody mm -hmm. I was producing, you know, whatever. I yeah, just, she does that pretty well. She's Allison <laughs> Krauss is an amazing artist yes. too, and I I admire so much for for sticking to her guns through the years and doing what she's wanted to do. And not let not letting people, uh, you know, 
make her veer Manipulate from that path. her or yeah, put, I mean, her, she's, put her where they I mean, want she's her. she's turned down every major label in this town. I know, I mean, one deal was offered through me at one time, you know, where I would produce, you know, I would have let her do whatever, do whatever she wanted. I would yeah. let nobody bother her at all. It, it would have been fine, but she was loyal to Rounder. Uh, and yeah. I, I always admired her for that. And she was afraid that, you know, if, if she, I think she was afraid. I don't want to speak for Allison, but I think right. she was afraid. Uh, and I know she made a couple of comments at the time. She was afraid they would like push her to be, you know, you got to do more radio. You got to, right. you got to, you got to use heavier drums and you got to do this and you got to exactly. do that. Things that labels tend to do sometimes mm -hmm. with, they'll sign a great artist and then they'll try to bring them down. To, exactly. to a level. Want them, put them in a box. You know, it's just weird. You can't do that. You know, and Allison never allowed that. And I just absolutely admire her for that. And I, I tell so many young artists, look at her. Look at her. Learn from that. You want to be a success, but you don't want to just be a success tomorrow night. That's right. You, you got to have longevity. You want to be success later right. on. You right know? across the board. And if you're not careful, you can be successful on something that can make you very unsuccessful yes. later. You can. Uh, are y'all listening? It's making the right. It's <laughs> the man talking. You make got to make the right decision at the right time. Yeah, you know. Sometimes we're not even in charge of that. No. Which is the cool thing, and yeah. uh, really what has happened with what we do. Yeah. Sometimes things just happen. Sometimes uh, things just happen. You called me one day, and uh, I'll never forget this. this. Is my Carl Jackson story? My one and only. <laughs> well, the only one I have right now. Sure. After tonight, there'll be some more. <laughs> Driving home, <laughs> talking to Tony on the on, on the Bluetooth on the car. Yeah. We're discussing plans and things we're gonna do. <laughs> number flashes up on the car. It's a six one five number, and I'm like, Tony, I'm getting a call. It's a West Tennessee number. Uh, I'll call you back. So I hit the button. Said hello. This guy says, Rick, and I'm thinking, it's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta be careful. <laughs> he says, he says, Carl Jackson. I win. Holy crap. And I almost <laughs> ran into my garage door. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Man. You didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, either. but I was like, I can't wait to finish <laughs> talking to him and call Tony back and tell him Carl called me. <laughs> I'm like, Carl Jackson's got my phone number. But um, let's go forward a little bit more and talk about some of your future projects, maybe that you got in the hopper, if you can. Uh, I can t I can talk a little bit about there's there's one in the hopper that I really can't talk about. That's I, ju I just can't. I wish I could. I'm excited yeah. to talk about it. That's good. But I'm just gonna have to wait a little longer before That's I can fine. reveal it. Well, you can just let us know. Uh, I will. I'll let we'll, you know. But we'll, now there's we'll talk a, to you there's one that that's been in the hopper for quite a while that I've uh, there have been a few distractions that have happened right. to kind of made me veer away from it. But I want to there's a there's a new Bradley Walker record that's oh really basically about. 60 to 75 percent complete and it's been that way for quite a few years yeah we started it and then bradley was on rounder and they decided that the record was too country right you know they wanted a more hardcore bluegrass record and and what we did you know we we cut you know 12 or 13 great songs and we oh, let man. the songs dictate I mean, right at this point they're basic tracks with incredible vocals by bradley walker yeah you know, he's just a great singer and uh but you know, if if the if the song calls for a steal, that's you what know, you put. On. We want to put a steal on it. You know, it's not yeah. a it's not a big deal. We didn't. And uh, but anyway, they decided they didn't want the record, and so Bradley uh, just uh, you know paid for it himself and took the record from them. Wow. And uh, and we're gonna 
finish it up at some point and uh, cool. hopefully get somebody to distribute it for us or put it out because Bradley Walker is an incredible talent. Yeah, no doubt. No great, doubt. great singer, and uh, it's man, they're they're just wonderful songs. Exactly. To hear hear a guy like that deliver them, it's that's that's what I love. I mean, I love to hear a wonderful, wonderful song. You know. Exactly. I don't think he. I don't think. I, you know, I have to listen back to the record, but I don't think a truck is mentioned one time. Awesome. In the whole record. Well, that's odd, isn't it? It's odd. It's odd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, let's get to Orthophonic Joy, okay. um, the uh, amazing record that um, for a long time I hadn't listened to folk style or uh, deep, deep into bluegrass like I used to be. And you guys brought me out. I mean, uh, Tony and I, we cover NASCAR. We cover a lot of things. We were driving to Charlotte, and we listened to it all the way there and all the way back. All right. And uh, that was pretty good. Being in radio, I have a short attention span sometimes. I'll hear it, and I'll think, yeah, okay, I've heard that now. Go to something else. And uh, incredible. Thank you. Uh, I just kept my face in the CD cover trying to feel, oh my gosh, that was who I thought it was. <laughs> and uh, That's great. it just means a lot to us to um, have something really good come from Bristol. Well, We're um, very proud of that. And uh, I know the basic story, um, but uh, how do you compile so many Grammy Award winning artists? <laughs> From so many different, they're all uh, sort of in the same genre, but not. Well, I mean, there's, um, a, there's a little bit of a different story on every one of them. There's a exactly. whole lot of divine intervention exactly. that, that happened. But there, part of it also goes back to that very first question. Mm -hmm. You asked me of how long you've been doing this. And, That's right. You know, I mean, when you start doing this at eight years old, and yeah. you get all these breaks to work with the, you know, the top of the game in bluegrass and the top of the game in pop country, exactly. you know, with Glenn and, and and just get to sing over the years with with Emmy Lou and Dolly, you know, you know, kind of be a Can I hang out when Emmy Lou's in here? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean she, she is she's wonderful. I mean I, I there was a time when that was just a dream of mine to get to sing with I her. understand. She came to a she came to a show when I was with Glenn. Yeah. And in Las Vegas, and I was just absolutely thrilled that she was there, and I got to meet her, you know. And then later on, uh, Ricky Skaggs yeah. helped me get her to to sing on my first, my first, uh, really my first vocal album on Sugar Hill years ago. Wow. I mean, I wanted her on there so bad, you know. And it was really neat because when I got word to her that I wanted her, then she was she was so gracious. She was calling me back and want me to come over and just sing some together. Well, I was know? really shocked about. Doyle Lawson, the way they did that song on the album, um, absolutely complete acapella. Yeah, I mean that's there was no yeah. hiding anything no. on that record, and it's crushed. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, it's uh, the Church Sisters song. I mean, uh, well, I mean, you know, I really we could go on and I, on. I like going. I like saying a little something about every one of them. But I, you yeah. don't know that I can bring up the whole list without. Dolly. Well, looking at something, but I mean, Doyle, I mean, he yeah. was, Doyle and, and his group, you know, I wanted to kind of pay tribute to that shape note style of singing. Exactly. And that wonderful song, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. redeemed. Uh, the Alcor Quartet did it originally in 1927, wow. and I'm thinking, 
Doyle's the guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, and I mean Doyle's my buddy. You know, I mean, they that, wore that, that one, out, man. I mean, that one's fairly easy, you know, because Doyle is, uh, we go back so many years. Doyle has recorded, I think, 12, 13, 14 of my songs over the years. You know, oh, he's man. done River of Tears, Little, Mount, uh, Little Mountain Church House, and The Best Is Yet to Come. And, oh, gosh, on, on and on and on. He's, he's done so many of my songs. He's always been so supportive of me. And when I called him, of course, he was immediately on board. And I told him what I wanted him to do, and he nailed it. He it's, did. It's beautiful. I mean, and you, you talked about the church sisters. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I met Savannah and Sarah when they were 13 years old. I met them here in Nashville at a bluegrass event. And uh, people people asked me to listen yeah. to different artists. Oh, well, sure. songs and stuff sometimes. Sure. I always do my best to listen things for people because I remember when I needed people to listen. Yeah, it, it means know, a lot. And it means a lot and I, I try to do it but you don't normally expect that much. Not know, really. I mean, Not know. really. So, but I, I said I would. and They're I, out there. They're so diamonds I, in the rough. Yeah, you know, I went over and there was these two little girls standing there and and I said, well, will you, you sing something for me? And I remember they sang Fishers and Men. Mm -hmm. And I won't tell you what it was unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were 13 years old, and I've said many times they sounded like they were 35. Yeah. I mean, it was scary good. The... And then I thought I'd throw them, you know. I, I, had, <laughs> I, I said, well, okay, I'll see if, how good they are. You know, oh, I'll, no. I'll throw in a third part. They never wavered. It was like singing with laser beams, you know. I mean, they were just amazing. Yeah, they and they've, if it's possible to get better, they're even better now. Um, Amazing talents. They, by the way, I think they just signed with Big Machine Records here in town. Awesome. So uh, I hope that the world gets to discover them because I do too. they deserve it. They are. They very are good. so talented, and they are such precious, precious girls. Well, there's an old buddy of mine in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee. You probably know him, Corbin Hasler. <laughs> You know, I don't know if you know that uh, fellow or not, but uh, I know that old boy. Old, old Corbin now, let yeah, me tell old you. Corbin. Isn't it something to call to call Corbin old Corbin? Man, but you but almost feel like that. Dude, he's got an old soul. He I told him that the soul. second time I talked to him on the phone. I said, Well I hate to say I call him old man every time I call yeah. him. It was fairly apparent just yeah. from the video he sent in. You know, we had that contest. Exactly. Uh, and uh man, I mean we had some great talents exactly. and then you know yeah. there was some wonderful talent uh, but when Corbin's video came in mm -hmm. I mean it just jumped off the screen yeah. I mean there was something special about this you yeah, know it was like is. holy cow what is going on here and uh, I couldn't quit listening to it man I, I just, oh, man. I'd listen to it and I couldn't be still you know just, man this is and then <laughs> you know he comes here and we record Darling Coral once again right right here live and at the, we had a film crew there that day too for, for a documentary we mm -hmm. were doing. And they started throwing questions at Corbin. Yeah. And here he is, 20 years old. And man, it was like he had lived in 1927. See that? He knew the answer Maybe. to everything. I mean, they couldn't quit interviewing him. He was, he was wonderful. He chewed his, he, 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 and, he, he cut his teeth on, on all of this. And I'll tell you what, and, absolutely. And he's, Corbin is a pro. He, is. he really is he a is. great talent, you know, and I mean, it's, now it's the real deal. It's traditional, yeah, there's no, it's uh, traditional mountain music. Yeah, there's know. no covering over, over Corey. He's a wonderful or, musician, a wonderful singer. It, it is, it's as, as real as it gets, though. Corbin and, I, and he's a, got a, 
thing about him, man, that's so cool. We played the Ryman the other night with uh, with Marty Stewart on, right. his, on his late night jam, and uh, and Corbin was uh, specifically one of the people that that Marty asked me to bring. Really? Absolutely. He asked me to bring the Church Sisters and Corbin, and bring Ashley and Shannon Campbell. Amazing. You know, and uh, for his late night jam, and I said, sure, I can do it because he wanted to do a Northphonic Joy tribute. You exactly. Know? And so. I brought Corbin in there, and I noticed during rehearsal, uh, sound check and rehearsal, that is the first time I'd ever seen it a little bit. But Corbin was a bit nervous. Yeah. It's the first time he'd been on stage at the Ryman, and he had a little nerve action going on. And he also told me he had been he'd been fighting a little carpal tunnel, I believe, in one of his uh, hands uh, or something, just a little bit. And uh, he was still playing great. Yeah. It sounded great now, but not quite up to Corbin's standards. And even upstairs then, before the show, you know, we, we run over it one time upstairs uh, in a dressing room. And uh, again, it was, it just wasn't that perfection. It was, mm -hmm. And I just attributed it to, to well, he's just, you know, he's having some problems here. He's not sure. feeling real good. Well, we got out there on stage. And when it come Corbin's turn, well, he just, you know, to use a NASCAR expression, I guess, he just threw it up in another gear. That's it. Because, uh, man, he hit the stage, but he came back to life. I mean, and they went wild. Wow. They loved him. I mean, he just, this this comes out of him. He's just the real deal. I said, you know, yeah, Babe, Babe Ruth you've, hit. You've told me that. You know, Babe hit, in 1927, Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs. Right, he okay. was a pretty big deal in America. I'm going to tell you what, if Corbin Hazlett had been born, if he would have been around in 1927, he'd have been bigger than Babe. Man, I'm telling you, he, he was saying something. He would have been huge. Yeah, he would have been a huge star. I'm a, I'm a big Yankees I mean, fan, oh, so man. you're hitting the you're Me hitting too. the nail right on the head. Me, my, I'm a big my car tag is uh, actually <laughs> in reference to that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> you don't understand, man. I'm just right That's there. That's great. With What's you. the car tag? That's great. <laughs> Babes or no Ruth seven fourteen. That's awesome. People are guy pulled me over one day, and he's like, "That's not a Bible verse." I said. All respect to the to the Holy Bible. Absolutely. That's that's not about that. Thing. Well, the babe hit seven fourteen. <laughs> I had to go into that story and yeah. let him know. The babe hit seven hundred fourteen. Yeah, absolutely. Clean. Oh man, I've got one of the Babe Ruth clocks. Clean. Yeah, <laughs> no asterisk up there. No, anywhere. no, no, no asterisk. No, he hit it. He hit him in about eight thousand bats. Man, he did. Rather than fourteen thousand exactly. for forty more home runs. Amazing. You know, people, no asterisk. You know, no. Had to have one on Maris, but not the other way. You know, that's it. I'll uh, tell you what, you've been to Yankee Stadium. I have. I Which was one? At, I actually, both. Really? I've been to both. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, I was at uh, I was at Old Yankee Stadium about 1973 or so. Right, but pretty wow. much. When did when did they refurbish? Was it 75 or so or anything? I think so. It wasn't long after I joined Glenn. We were in New York and we went in and took a Yankees game. Mercer Heck was yeah, playing, buddy. of course. Oh yeah. But, uh, of course, Manlin retired in '68, and uh, you know. Well, uh, we went to 2009. We were there. Uh, they were playing the Tigers. No, it was in October, right before the playoffs. Did you go out to Monument Park and everything? No. Oh, I have. They hadn't moved everything over to where oh, yeah. it yeah. was at the new stadium. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I was, I was not that fortunate. Well, I was me. at the, 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 the old one, right. the new, new one. I haven't been to the new, new one, Yeah. the real big one that you could set the old one inside. Oh, my I gosh. haven't been there. It's amazing. I bet it is. Now. We had field-level seats on the first base side. Yeah. And my wife and I had discussed this for, here was the deal. I was going to be at the final game 
at Yankee Stadium. I can't even remember what happened, <laughs> but the night that I sit in front of the television in my recliner and I cried, my wife's like, God. I said, yeah, it runs deep. You just you don't totally understand. Un I totally understand what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. About. And I sat down in that new stadium, the electricity, you could slice it with a knife. I'm telling you, man. I'm watching Robinson Cano, Derek Jeter, mm -hmm. Alex Rodriguez, all these players out there warming up. Mm -hmm. And uh, my dream had come true at that point. Since I was 10 years old, I was a Yankees fan. Yeah, yeah one, of the, one of the few, you know, I mean, I've had so many blessings in life. Yeah. But one of the few things that, that one of the few, you know, if, uh, regret's not really the right word because I no. couldn't really control it. But uh, I never got to shake the hand of Mickey Mantle. Oh, man. I'm telling I, mean, you. I, I mean, I met Whitey Ford and... You know, yeah, a lot, Whitey, of the, actually, a lot of the other Yankees. In fact, yeah. Mickey was at our show one night. And we, wow. we used to do the uh, Amana Golf Tournament every year. Right. And Mickey was there playing in the tournament, as was myself and Glenn and, and Whitey Ford and a bunch of other people. And we, we always played the you know the music show they would have right. before the golf tournament every year. And, and Mickey was in the audience. And, uh, man, I rushed off stage immediately hoping I'd get to meet him. You know, And I, I walked out there and I ran into Whitey. And I said, I said, Whitey, is, you know, I'm so glad to meet you, man. Exactly. I said, but is, is Mickey around? He said, he said, man, he he went to the room immediately after the show, but he absolutely loved the show and loved yeah. what you did. And I'm like, oh man, I just wanted to meet him. And I so I can't I, imagine being in the same vicinity. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would uh, have a problem. Oh, Red, Red Stegall, a good friend of mine. My Red, wife would be saying, yeah. you need to go sit down and control uh, yourself. He signed a book for me. So I've got several things signed by Mickey. That they, one, one of them in particular, Red Stegall, had him signed to me. And, yeah, that's uh, amazing. Uh, but I never got to meet the guy. And the day, I, the day died. I mean, you know, I mean, I cried. I, you know, I'm not ashamed to say like a baby. Oh, people don't I mean, understand. It like, it's hard to... It is hard to understand, but it, it was is. like I lost a family member. Man. It is because yeah, this guy was such a part of your life. He was. I mean, I I grew up, man, in 1961. You know, I was I was uh, eight years old or so, mm -hmm. and Maris and Mantle were battling it out, battling out for that was awesome. You know, and Mickey would have done it too, you know. If he exactly, you know, no doubt about it. He would have, no doubt. You know, a lot well, of people. Well, we're we're really having a ball here with you, man. Um, I see a lot of buttons and stuff. <laughs> Don't push anything. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to mess up somebody's whole career. I could probably do that in about three minutes. But um, we're going to be uh, going to be uh, hanging around with you some tonight yeah. at the station end. Absolutely. And uh, going to be talking to old Larry Cordell. Good. A bunch of other people there. We're going to have a good old time. Absolutely. But uh, we appreciate you so much. Oh uh, man. Being with us, and uh, I'm always quick to talk about this project or, <laughs> exactly, or whatever. I, I appreciate everybody the needs to go out and buy Orthophonic Joy. I recommend it highly. I really. would too. I mean, you know, and it goes to uh, to benefit the birthplace of country music. Exactly. Too, you know, and uh, it's just what better what better thing to do. I'm really proud of it. You should it be. Was, it was an Orthophonic Joy. It was a great project, and, to, and it's gonna and, uh, sell for a while. Well, I hope so. I hope hey, so. I'll talk to you when uh when it turns gold. <laughs> and I'll talk to you when we, when we go platinum. Okay, fair enough. Is that enough. cool? That's fair enough of me. All right. Good deal. Thank you, Rick. Good to meet you, man. You too, bud. Thank All you right, so for Rick Dollar and Tony Dean and Carl Jackson. <laughs> Might have to be here. That's right. <laughs> NetRadioDogs.com. We're on the move. See you.